0: Okay, so we're going to be in Philippians, and uh, because we do because we do have guests, I do want to kind of preface a little bit. Today is different, and if you were a guest last week, last week was different also, but um, I've, I've jokingly told some some of the, the men that I've, I've visited with here in the church, if there are going to be any guests who visit this month, this is actually the best month to see kind of the heart of the church, um, because it's just how the Lord has done things, um, Last week, we went over the, the DNA of Cross Life and, and what we hold to and the convictions of what our ministry looks like. And, and this week is not a, again, not a, a typical sermon. It's a better sermon because we're reading Scripture and that is enough. Um, and then next week, Jared is going to be preaching his first time to preach at Cross Life, which is going to be awesome. He's so excited. Yeah, you what? He preaches every day. He's going to preach to people um, <laughs> uh, here, and, and uh, but the reason that that's a good um, a good view of what Cross Life is and what we're all about is because we. This is not a platform. It's not a throne. We want to share the pulpit as men, or I'm sorry, as God has called and equipped men to preach. We want to give them opportunity to preach. I'm thankful that I was given the opportunity to preach whenever I was younger um, and encouraged along by by godly men and directed and guided. And uh, we want to do the same thing here. So to see, uh, and, and unfortunately, I won't be here next week. So we're going to live stream it on Facebook um, so that the world can see, including me. I'll be making notes in the comments. I'll be like, mm, you should have done. No, I'm just joking. I'm really excited to, to see um what the Lord is doing in Jared and through Jared, um, and uh, I know He's going to do a great job through the work of the Spirit. Um, and then the fifth Sunday of this month, we're actually going to be worshiping not here, but with Templo de Alabanza, which is a Hispanic church on the further on the north side of town. And uh, so that's another thing about our church is we don't worry about building our our name or our kingdom. We like to go worship with other churches, and so. The worship on that day will, some of the verses will be in Spanish and some of them will be in English. And sometimes, well, last time I got lost in between them. But it's just fun to know that the throne room that we see in Revelation 4 and 5 and throughout Revelation, whenever all the nations, tongues and tribes come together to worship the king, we have glimpses of that now. Um, And I was talking to another pastor the other day from another denomination, uh, from another church that we've never gathered with before. And he's like, what do you think? if we get our churches together and have a night of worship of God. And I was like, that sounds really cool. I was like, well, that's actually something that we have a heart for at Cross Life is we like to leave our place and go other places to worship. And he's like, I like it. I like it. I wonder if we can do that. So anyways, we're about growing God's kingdom, being part of God's kingdom, whatever he calls us to do. And so October has been very interesting um, in how God is just letting us delight in who we are as cross life. And so if you're guest, so thankful y'all are with us. Uh, we're excited to see what the Lord does here and what he does is his work and not our own. Okay, with that said, we're going to be in Philippians. This is the next uh, sermon series that we're going to go through. What's the timeline of it? We don't know. We don't care. We're going to open God's word. We're going to study God's word and let it have its effectual work within our lives. The goal today is, is for you to hear Philippians. And so I have have two ways you can do this, and I'm conflicted in both. One of them is absolutely have your Bible open, following along word by word. I think that that's good and fruitful and helpful, so that you can see the words as they're being read, so that you can mark it as you go. The other way is for you to receive it as they received it in the beginning, which is they can only hear it. Whenever Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, this letter was received, and as it was received, um, it was read out loud to the congregation, not in three-verse chunks, as we're going to study it and review it. It was read as a letter. I mean, if you can imagine getting an email today, and as you begin to read the email, you stop after about three sentences, and you dwell on those three sentences, you're like, you know what, I'll pick up the next four to five sentences next week. It's going to take a while, and you're going to lose the overall thrust and tone of that letter. So whenever we begin uh, the letters, if you'll recall, we like to read them in their entirety. That's how they would have read it. That's how it would have been presented. That's how Paul wrote it. He wrote it as a letter. And so the goal today is not to do anything except to show you, here's what Philippians says, and here's why it's important for us. Next week we'll begin kind of our systematic expository breakdown. But as I was talking to Anna this morning, I said, this is actually, like, if, if there were, because um, we, were, we were talking about stuff, I'm like, this is actually an exciting, perfect day for somebody to come, because I'm not really preaching fully. And she's like, why is that, like, good? Y'all, because I personally have nothing within me that I can give you to give you abiding words for the next 70 to 80 years. Like, my wisdom is finite. My experiences are limited. My knowledge is, is, is fickle, and, and my emotions are frail. Like I'm, What do I have that I can give you except to say, here is what God has given us? This will keep you. This will sustain you. This will sanctify you. I can encourage you. I can pastor you. I can shepherd you. But what you really need is to be fed and Preachers should be feeding the word, not their thoughts. And so this is perfect in that way. I do want you, before we begin Philippians, you have to understand, though, who he's writing to. So here's Philippians. Hold that. Go to Acts 16 because this is really important. Acts chapter 16 actually gives us the beginning of the the Philippian church. Because we we do need to know who he's writing to. We know Paul writes it. He's going to say, hey, I'm Paul. I'm writing this letter to you. And there are going to be moments today where, to be quite honest, like in my flesh, I want to jump in and go, okay, hang on real quick. Let me explain what that means in context. You don't need me to do that. God's work will work within us. As Jesus prayed for his disciples, he said, Father, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. What you need for sanctification today is his word. Okay, but you need to know that Paul wrote it. You need to know who he's writing to. Here's the group he's writing to. It actually begins in Acts chapter 16. I'm going to begin in verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting, fa- so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Semithras. By the way, you do have to know whenever you read out loud... Whenever you get to the words you don't know, you just, you just say them confidently. You keep moving. That's how you say them. That's the proper pronunciation. Okay, <laughs> to Samothrace, And the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. There it is, to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a, Roman co- and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. That's the beginning of the Philippian church. That's who Paul is writing to. So I just want to encourage you real quick. like Just do, do a, a check right here. Here's how the church began. Lydia, she was likely wealthy. She was a seller of purple goods. Um, she was a worshiper of God, but she was a Gentile who was beginning to worship God. So she, But she was a Gentile. And so there's Lydia. There was the jailer and his family. And then maybe, maybe, we don't know this for sure, but maybe the girl um, who had been demon-possessed. That's who God began his church with in Philippi. I like how one commentator put it. He said, "...the early converts were a most diverse and unlikely group with which to found a local church, but the grace of God overcame their differences." I just read that, and I was like, oh, praise the Lord. Okay, so, y'all, we can do this. Like, we, we can do church. I mean, if there was if it was a jailer who, who hated the way, and if it was Lydia who was wealthy and just seeking to know the Lord and potentially, possibly a demon-possessed girl and all those who are amazed by it, I mean, if, if that ragtag group of people can be, by the Spirit of God, brought into the church, and they can, they can be a healthy church, because that's what you're going to see in, in Philippians. This was a healthy church then by God's grace, so can we, right? Okay, so that's the beginning, and now we're here Philippians. You will not receive further commentary from me today. We're going to hear what Paul, moved by the Spirit, wrote to the Philippians, who had been sealed by the Spirit, and then we're going to trust the Spirit to do his work, because the Word of God cuts between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. It does the work it was meant to do. So we're going to read it, and we're going to pray so we're going to sing to our Lord, we're going to go lift for our Lord, and then whenever we come back next week, all the pressure is absolutely 100% on Jared for the first sermon of Philippians. You got this. <laughs> You're right, we don't have it. Only God does. Here we go, y'all, Philippians. Actually, let's do one more prayer. Lord, as we read your word, that you moved men to right, that you have kept safe by you and through you and for you, And then your spirit within us can understand with with ears to hear, eyes to see, what it is that you do, you and you alone. Lord, I do pray that you help me to read clearly. Lord, I do pray that you guard my tongue and my flesh and my desire to want to add to. Lord, what we need is your word and nothing else. And that's what you called us to. Lord, guard this time and, and your spirit be alive within us. Amen. Okay. Philippians, and I'm reading from the ESV. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you, always in every prayer mind for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you all in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness... How I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all put to shame, be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. But only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there's any encouragement in Christ... God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your your own salvation with fear and trembling." Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served, me with the gospel, served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. And all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Lord, you are all that we need. You are the only thing of sustaining worth. You're the only one who can save us and and remind us of our salvation day by day. Lord, I pray that in Philippians we find the encouragement and the strength that you have given those saints who have come before us and that you give us even now to live a life worthy of the gospel, looking not to our own needs, but to our Savior who has provided everything. Lord, my deepest desire is that we know you and know you more and make you known. Lord, may your words do the work within us that I could never do today. How wonderful is that? Amen.